Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Friday, March 4th. J.C. Sherbert here with you, as promised with a mailbag-heavy episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Just want to uh, go through uh, a little bit about baseball. South Carolina-Clemson, best rivalry in the sport. Um, I, although I, I was talking to someone uh, on JB and Goldwater the other day, I would like for it to get back to where it was in 2010 when both teams were in Omaha. Uh, and then before that regularly, both teams uh, – have not been to Omaha in a while, but uh, it's still a great, uh, great series. And certainly I like the way that they, they move it around with the neutral sites, play three game series. So there's a winner and loser and the Gamecocks folks are up against it. Uh, you got a really good pitching match tonight between Will Sanders and Mac Anglin. Uh, and then it looks like uh, hmm, Kate Austin will be going uh, on Saturday. And then uh, who knows? <laughs> Braswell, Parker Coyne, Aiden Hunter, I don't know, uh, on Sunday. Clemson's got a big advantage on the mound this weekend with uh, uh, really some, some tough news uh, with, uh, from John Whittle of the Big Spur. Uh, he's been alluding to this. James Hicks out with Tommy John for the Gamecocks. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Two games in Columbia. The game uh, Saturday at Sergo Park is an ACC game. It's a Clemson home game. Uh, so it'll be on ACC Network Extra. Sa- Sunday, Doug Kingsmore Stadium, 3 p.m. It's on ACC Network. And then to, uh, tonight, obviously, is uh, SEC Network Plus. First pitch is at 7 p.m. Mentioned on the podcast yesterday about the history of the series. I don't want to keep fanning those flames. It's time to play ball. Uh, And certainly this is a big deal in the state of South Carolina each and every year. Uh, It's a college baseball state. uh, And those are the two, you know, most noteworthy programs, though. They're really good programs all around the state of South Carolina. Coastal Carolina, obviously, has won a national championship. Um, 
I guess, uh, more recently than South Carolina and been to Omaha more recently than South Carolina. But uh, certainly uh, this is always a big deal in this rivalry between the two schools, uh, the two most high-profile schools uh, in the state. And uh, I think, for my money, it's it's as good or better. It's better than the basketball rivalry because I think, you know, in basketball they play it when students aren't there. Um it's one of those where, you know, Clemson's kind of dominated it since the McGuire era or Carolina left the SEC. But, uh, you know, you win or you lose, and then you kind of pull for each other uh, if you're trying to get in the NCAA tournament for the rest of the year and hoops. I don't, I don't think anybody's pulling for the Clemson baseball team. I don't think anybody's pulling for the South Carolina baseball team. Certainly they don't pull for each other in football. Uh, and so that's kind of the the deal there. But uh, certainly always is a great weekend in the state of South Carolina. Uh, when this rivalry rolls around and I hope all of you that uh, have a chance to go out and watch the games or uh, watch them on TV or whatever, uh, have a good time. Again, first pitch, 7 p.m. SEC Network Plus, South Carolina and Clemson. Will Sanders taking the mound for the Gamecocks uh, tonight. So it should be a good pitching match. They're going to need him. Uh, They're going to need all all of him. (laughs) Uh, probably for the next two two Fridays and, and maybe for longer than that uh, to go out and have a great start to give them a chance to win series. Uh, it's just unfortunate that all this stuff's been happening with the injuries and all uh, right here before you get to Clemson and Texas. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's tough because the level of competition obviously goes up and uh, you're shorthanded and it's never good. So, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. It's baseball. Uh, certainly would be a, a nice feather in the cap of Mark Kingston and his staff uh, to maybe split the next six games on the weekend, have, uh, you know, two and one, one and two against Clemson and Texas. I don't know. Texas owns South Carolina in baseball historically. Big sweep last year out in Austin, kind of halted the Gamecocks' momentum uh, in their tracks and, you know, Took a little while to recover at the start of the uh, SEC season. So uh, we'll see kind of what happens uh, this weekend. But certainly college baseball is in the air, right? And that's our news and notes segment. Thanks to Heritage Digital. And uh, going to skip analysis. Uh, wanted to – I don't really have anything to analyze uh, about the baseball uh, other than what I just told you. And we got a lot of mailbag questions. But uh, I did want to tell you about Cindy Searfoss before we get into the – I help consulting mailbag. If you need a realtor and you are in the upstate, Cindy Searfoss is your person to go to with Colwell Banker Kane right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg. 414, sorry, 864-414-5271. That's 864-412-4-5271. C Searfoss, C S E A R. F-O-S-S at C-B-K-N-C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. I can't, I mean, I've, I've read this, what, a thousand times, guys? C-Serifos <laughs> uh, at cbk.com. We know the market's weird right now, buying and selling homes. A friend of mine just got rid of his house. He's only been there two years, not a lot of equity. Cleared 125 k and Cindy can get you those types of returns. Unfortunately, you got to buy something now. It's going to be jacked up a little bit, but she can help you navigate that as well. She's been in the upstate for over 35 years and uh, is married to a diehard Gamecock fan and a great guy. Uh, so Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, so now the iHealth Consulting mailbag, and I'll tell you about iHealth Consulting here in a little bit, but we had a lot 
And yesterday I was kind of up against it. Had some carpool duties I had to get to, had an appointment I had to get to, uh, some rocking and rolling uh, with this uh, today. And I uh, wanted to thank all of you that have gotten in on the IL Consulting Mailbag because there's a lot to get to. And, you know, uh, the great thing about the mailbag to me is, uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of leads the conversation. And I enjoy that because I enjoy giving answers. I love my AMA thread I put on the bigspur.com for VIP members. I just enjoy uh, interacting with all of you guys. And I, and I think that's a good thing about this podcast is uh, I am a, a, a interactor, a people person. You know, and I sometimes on the website, you know, if I'm interacting, I may, you know, I may sound, I may come across a certain way. But those of you that listen to the podcast, right, you know, you know, I'm generally a good guy. I'll get fired up about things. Uh, every now and then, but uh, I'm generally a pretty even killed guy. But sometimes, uh, and I think this is a society thing with text messaging and instant messaging and all that that we do these days, we we write much more uh, than we talk. Uh, and I think a lot gets lost in translation nuance wise with that. So that that's what that is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a jerk, you know, uh, but anyway, <laughs> Uh, I love interacting with you guys as my points. There's two ways to get in the mailbag. One is to tweet to uh, at the Big Spur Pod. And uh, that's our Twitter account. And I encourage all of you to follow it. We're up close to 900 followers now, 826, 74 away from 1,000. That's pretty good these days when you're building a Twitter account from scratch. But I encourage you to follow that Twitter account. Also, uh, on Instagram, Inside the Gamecocks, got different types of content there from the Big Spur. Uh, I mean, it's not from the Big Spur. It's a different, it's different than the Big Spur. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, so you, you know, it's not like you're going to double up uh, on a whole lot of that. So you can tweet to me at the Big Spur Pod, and I'll read it. And then also inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. So we're going to start with a Twitter. Uh, and Adam, or no, Adam, and I am bro. I always mispronounce it. I'm like Adam and bro. No, it's and I am bro. Uh, at the Big Spur Pie, says, J.C., is there a South Carolina basketball equivalence to the Mike Loxley hire for Maryland football? A guy who the high school and AAU basketball structures in state would rally around because he's one of them. Basketball in South Carolina has fantastic players, and it does. Uh, is there one that would translate to Columbia? The only guy I can think of is B.J. Mackey and – Here's the thing about B.J. Mackey. Obviously, he's a legend, right? But And we've seen uh, around the country, uh, you know, some guys that uh, were legends at their school that uh, were in the NBA were very high profile. Juwan Howard at Michigan uh, and then Penny Hardaway at Memphis. And Juwan's done a really good job at Michigan, man. They uh, – He's got to, you know, stay out of fights in, in the in the handshake line. Um, but uh, – and then Penny's recruited well. But, uh, you know, that's a situation out of Memphis. Be careful what you ask for because they, they fired Tubby Smith because he wasn't recruiting. And then Penny's recruiting. And uh, not all that good winning-wise. Um, but based on what I've heard, B.J. Mackey's a good coach too. Uh, and so I don't know that uh, I don't know that uh, it would be that risk. It, it's going to come with a risk. Anytime you hire that, uh, you know, somebody that's got no head coaching experience, it comes with a risk. But that's the only guy I can think of with like ties to Columbia. So 
you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, maybe that's a guy. I mean, and I'll tell you this, you know, South Carolina, since Frank McGuire, they have hired one guy for their head basketball coaching job that's an assistant coach. And that was George Felton, who was an alum, and he went 87 and 62, and I could have made a very, very good case for him not to be fired. Um, They fire him, and they go – uh, first year in the SEC, and the bottom falls out because they they hired Steve Newton, who was probably the worst hire ever, um, you know, and, and and so that's the deal. So historically, there's really one, you know, one example of hiring an assistant that paid off. They hired an assistant coach in football, first time head coach, and Shane Beamer, he had a really nice first year. Uh, and, and so, if you're looking for a guy like that, that's a gamecock, that's uh, obviously one of the greatest of all time that's got ties to Columbia, uh, who's coached for what I consider to be a very good coach in Steve Forbes at Wake Forest. I mean, what he's done at Wake Forest has done good. Uh, I'm sure he's learned uh, about the transfer portal, which is going to be important from Forbes. Uh, then, then that's the guy. I mean, if there's a change and, and, and a search and all that. And, um, you know, Will Gunner, who you guys all know from 107.5, he, he's speculating strongly that, BJ is going to be in the thick of this thing. So that that's the one guy. I mean, who, who else? Um, Andy Kennedy uh, has obviously connections to Columbia with the Murphy Holloway and, you know, other people that he's recruited from the area. But, you know, with Andy Kennedy, and I love Andy Kennedy. I think he's a heck of a coach and was a great, great uh, uh, commentator on the SEC Network. Mike Morgan <laughs> got to know him pretty well. Uh, but he's in his alma mater at UAB. They're about to go to the American. You know, he's 44 and 14 there. Uh, obviously, I think he did a good job at Ole Miss. He was just there 12 years. and uh, Sort of like the Frank Martin thing, the program was just kind of stuck. Uh, you know, they weren't really getting worse. But they weren't really getting better. He stepped down. But I, I don't I don't know that you can hire – and, and number one, I, and I am, bro, I, I don't know that Andy Kennedy is the guy you're looking for here. Uh, and number two – if you're Ray Tanner, I just I just don't think, regardless of the situations, that you can hire somebody that's been fired at another SEC school for a men's, the men's basketball job. You know, uh, unless it's like Anthony Grant at Dayton, who has gone there and killed it and really was let go at Alabama after winning. You know, at Alabama, it's kind of the same thing with he and Avery Johnson both. They just weren't getting to the tournament. You know, winning, recruiting well, weren't getting to the tournament. So, um I just don't know that Tanner can do that. But uh, if you're looking for that type of guy, it's probably B.J. Mackey, just to be honest. And, you know, he's right there. It sounds weird to hire the Wake Forest assistant coach uh, as the head coach. Gamecast hired Wake Forest head coach a few years back. But um, I uh, that's the one sort of gamble really big. They're all going to be gambles, right, especially if you go the mid-major route. For every Nate Oates, there's a Darren Horn. But I think, you know, if you're going to make a – if you just want to make a big move and say, all right, we're going to we're going to be South Carolina basketball with, with one of our greats, uh, then it's B.J. Mackey, period. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he was one of the best players in school history. So – and uh, I do, based on the, the little feedback I have on him, think he's a, he's a good coach, not just a guy that can come in and excite recruiting. Thank you, and I am bro. Bullhead says at the Big Spur Pod. 
Uh, listen to Dennis Dowd on the Cover 3 podcast talk about attendance and it not necessarily being tied to winning. Do you agree? Most of the Cover 3 cast suggestions, uh, cast suggested downsizing of stadiums, cushion seats, Wi-Fi, and even monitors and seat backs. Could you envision that? And monitors and seat backs, probably not. There may come a day. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think if the, the, the quote is, it's not necessarily tied to winning, uh, yes, Dennis has a point. Um, I think that, you know, even at Alabama, you have Nick Saban going crazy because people leave at halftime and stuff. Now, what's going to happen? And South Carolina's already started you know, some of this. Uh, I mean, they spent $22 million on it last year, having some more, you know, I guess, fun-type keep you in the stadium amenities. Uh, most stadiums need to fix their Wi-Fi. I don't know what that is, whether it's structural or uh, there's a bunch of concrete with a lot of them. Maybe they're in dead spots. There's a bunch of people using their cell phone at one time. Uh, but they need to figure that out, obviously. Um, you know, the Wi-Fi situation, maybe this 5G thing will help improve that. Uh, I know the planet Florida and the swamp, you know, they have the, the bench seating. Most of the places in the swamp is to, you know, clear all that out. And then everybody has um, – everybody ends up having a, a seat back. Now, in South Carolina – I wonder how you do that because what color are the seats going to be? Are they going to be like garnet and black like they are at the Colonial Life Arena? And then for a September game in the sun, you're going to have people with, you know, third degree or first, you know, they're going to have burns. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the degree of burns here, but uh, they're going to have, they're going to have somebody get hurt, right? Or, or burned because it's going to be that hot. Um, you know, maybe you do something else. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what exactly that you do, um, you know, with regards to the coloring uh, in the seats or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I, I think that's the direction it's going. At South Carolina, I have not heard anything about ripping out the benches and, and putting seats. I know that, that more premium seating is something that the university is exploring. And, you know, my guess is in 10 years, williams Bryce is not going to look exactly like williams Bryce does now. Because uh, I know that's a big emphasis uh, at the University of South Carolina. And, you know, will these things improve attendance? I think the Wi-Fi is important. And, you know, kids, especially students, man, if they can't get on their phone, they feel, you know, like they're suffocating. So uh, I think that uh, getting the Wi-Fi in there just for student attendance, and quite frankly, us adults too, because uh, I like to feel connected. And I kind of like looking at the stats and stuff on my phone as opposed to the scoreboard. Um, and kind of keeping up with it that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the Wi-Fi situation is, is probably, uh, you know, probably pro- one of the big priorities, I think, all over the country. So, uh, but I, I will say this, like, look, um, when you're winning, you know, big, I mean, at Clemson, they, you know, they had some lighter crowds uh, this past season. Um, because they weren't winning big, uh, they were winning, not winning big. Uh, but you know, during their years where they were making the run, they had no problems, so they filled it up for Boston College and everybody else. So, uh, and same, same at South Carolina. I, I, I think some of the attendance issues at South Carolina this year, th- there's just a lot of things that went into them. 
you know, everything from COVID to, you know, the lack of workers at the stadium that caused some backups to, I mean, yeah, the kickoff times, I don't know if anybody can complain about because they're mostly at night. Uh, you know, the performance of the offense, I think, played a factor, uh, that kind of thing. But um, I do expect the spring game to have a big crowd. I do expect attendance to be better next year just because people are excited about, you know, Spencer Rattler coming in. Anytime you have a quarterback like that, it gives you hope. And, you know, I think the way the season ended um, kind of gives people some renewed hope, you know, especially that one over North Carolina. I think, you know, the Auburn win – uh, the Florida win, those were both nice, but the win got taken out of the sales with those, with, with Missouri and then Clemson. But uh, ending it like that against the team everybody wants to beat up there, you know, exercising the Charlotte Demons, so to speak, um, I think that helps. I, I think that helps tremendously along with the players, uh, the noteworthy players, actually, uh, that Shane Beamer and his staff have brought in. Uh, thanks, boy. I appreciate all that. Uh, all right, so – I hope consulting mailbag rolls on inside the game. at gmail.com is the actual uh, email address. And that's where the majority come from, but I, I really enjoy um, the tweets as well. And I always, uh, you'll know that I'm recording uh, the uh, podcast cause I'll retweet it <laughs> and, uh, and answer it. So that, that that's pretty good. I'll do it. Either the day before I do it or, or, or um, the day I'm recording. So anyway, if you're a business owner, uh, you're always looking to save time and money. And that's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So whether you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHelp can help you find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money at all, you don't pay them a thing. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Daniel gets it all out, puts it on a spreadsheet. If it's a no-go, you don't have to pay him. Uh, also, here's how he gets paid. It's not like a flat fee consultant like you know some of these people out here that claim to be consultants. and They, they just charge you a bunch to tell you nothing or tell you things you already know. Uh, Daniel just takes a percentage of your first-year savings. Uh, and so that way, you save the bulk of your money, and, and you know he kind of uh, – he kind of eats what he kills, to use a, a, a hunting phrase. Um, you know, so if he doesn't earn it, he doesn't get paid. So call or text Daniel right now at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? Tell them JC sent you. Tell them JB and Goldwater sent you. I really don't care which one you use because they sponsors both. Uh, but Daniel's good people. And, and obviously, you know, when we started the big it was an independent affiliated with ESPN. So I had to deal with credit card processing. Uh, I had to deal with internet. I had to deal with everything. Uh, and I would definitely be hitting Daniel up uh, to save me some money. And so I encourage you guys to do the same. So inside the game at gmail.com as the I health consulting mailbag rolls on Rob Howard, bro. No question, but you missed a golden opportunity last podcast with talking about Oregon State. You said you're not going to do a dissertation on Oregon State basketball. That was your prime chance to say inside the Beavers. <laughs> yeah, 
because uh, I used to do, uh, you know, I use, I, I'll, I'll often say, if I'm talking about Clemson, I'll say, well, this isn't the Inside the Tigers podcast or Inside the Georgia Bulldogs podcast, and I should have said that. Don't! Rojo, I'm kicking myself. That was perfect. I'd have probably cried myself up laughing, though, and I'd be sitting there laughing for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours because that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, thanks, Rojo, and uh, don't be a stranger there. Isaiah says, JC, greetings. I just wanted to give you my thoughts on the Frank Martin situation. I personally believe USC should hang on to Frank Martin as long as he keeps winning. We all know South Carolina is a tough program as far as basketball goes. In my opinion, Frank proved this year he's still a great coach. Uh, and he's got a football question. I'll address this right now. Um, look, I, I think that Frank has done a good coaching job this year. I don't I don't think there's anybody with a brain or I'm sorry, not with a brain. I don't want to insult people's intelligence. I don't think there's anybody that, that's look that, that's not already made up their mind about wanting Frank Martin gone. They could objectively look at this season in a vacuum and say, oh, it's a terrible coaching job because it's not. I mean, you place nine players, you got 18 wins, you're not, you have a, a non losing season in the SEC again. You're probably going to the NIT at least. Maybe, possibly, hopefully. Um, you know, and after last year, you know, and then, I, I'm I'm one that doesn't want to count last year, so I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, they've improved not 13 games," uh, because that's I'm just not counting it. Uh, they may surpass the win total from two years ago, though. Um, probably, hopefully, will. Maybe it ends up as the same record. Who knows? Um, and they did lose AJ Lawson off last year's team. I mean, that's awesome players, you know, and so. You know, I had to put bring in some new guys and sort of retool. And, you know, they, they had some adversity early with Cousinard and Bryant and uh, A.J. Wilson, who was supposed to – see, A.J. Wilson was supposed to be the four. I mean, and then he got COVID and got out. And he's just never – he's kind of like the Amari and Brown in football. He just kind of got sidetracked and hadn't has never gotten going. But – uh you know, the, the thing is, Isaiah, it, it's like this. It, you know, you have to be going for moving forward. As, a, as any any major uh, college athletic program that has standards, uh, and, and they do, it's a tough job. There's no question. And Frank Martin's done a hell of a lot better than most that have had this job, okay? Uh, and I don't, I don't care about the NIT championships, <laughs> Uh, or the NIT runner-ups with teams that should have been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, I, I don't really value uh, two one-and-dones in the tournament, uh, nor the SEC championship, uh, as much as I value going to a Final Four uh, when you're talking about college basketball. Uh, so I, th- I think I think it's pretty obvious Frank has done better than anyone that's had this job since Frank McGuire. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'd, I would have liked to have seen – um, what George Felton could have done had they held on to him because uh, I, I thought he was pretty solid. Um, but it has been a struggle for most coaches. And I don't think there's any question Frank Martin's been the best coach at this university uh, since the McGuire era. Uh, but, in you know, we, we just talked about, you know, attendance in college football. Well, you still got to 
uh, attendance in, in for Carolina men's basketball is atrocious. Um, it's not as atrocious as, as it may look on TV just because of the big arena, people being spread out, but th- there's just not a lot of enthusiasm when you have the same season over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day. It's like that movie Groundhog Day. It's a great movie, by the way. Um, so something needs to happen to facilitate a forward movement, okay? Um, and this season's really good. I mean, by historical standards, by – you know, but, but it's really kind of the same season they've been having. Uh, going back to the year before that team that got screwed, 2015-2016. Uh, so it was 2014-2015. It they went 17-16. That's a winning season. First winning season. And, you know, Frank hadn't had but uh, one losing one, uh, and that was COVID last year, which I'm not going to count since then. He's, he's had winning seasons. Uh, in fact, his tenure – has gone a lot like George Felton. George Felton didn't have a losing season either. Now he had some 15 and 14s and 14 and 14s. And, you know, his last year they won 20, and they probably should have been in the NCAAs. They got off to a great start. I think they were ranked at one point, and then kind of they they finished poorly uh, after that double overtime loss to Louisville. Shout out to my boy Freehawk <laughs> in that one. But that, that team finished 2-8 and eight and lost to Siena in the second round of the NIT. Uh, but then they had everybody back. I mean, so I, I don't know what would have happened then. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so he's kept it above water. I mean, you know, Eddie Fogler, after two straight NCAA, you want to talk about not capitalizing. And I, I don't blame this all on Coach Fogler, but because uh, the game sort of changed. Uh, but he goes from – and he didn't have any, I don't know if there's any injuries or anything that's played into this. He went from 23-8 and eight to 8-21. and 21. And got it back to 15 and 17. And then his last team was 15 and 15 and went to the NIT. And back then you could be 500 and go to the NIT. Now they have a stupid rule about mid-major automatic qualifiers. So it's basically the mid-major invitation. Uh, And you may be a 17-win SEC team and not get in. Um, It's harder. And it's it's not – I don't think it's any more of a reward because it's harder, but it's uh, it's a little more – challenging <laughs> not as much of a layup as it used to be uh, as we've seen uh and, and so that's the thing though is, is that this season is kind of the same as all the rest uh a little bit more a little couple more wins here and there you know like this season there's a difference because you know they've won five out of six down the stretch and you know sometimes they you know most of the time under under frank they've you know gone what two and three two and four one and three uh, down, it faded toward the end. Uh, this team has not, uh, and you know that's good. I, you know, unlike a few years back where there were just atrocious losses, the the only loss was uh, that was terrible was Coastal Carolina. But, but when you look at it, that's not costing them anything right now. I mean, that Stetson loss, the Stony Brook losses, the Boston News, all those those cost because. You know, Carolina had enough quality wins in the SEC to make it had they not screwed themselves. Okay. Um, so that's a little different. Um, I, I think just from a standards of the athletic department at the University of South Carolina, um, that coastal game was unacceptable and embarrassing. Uh, but it's not costal, costly. It's, it hasn't been costly. Uh, in Princeton, I'm, I'm not even entertaining that that's a costly loss. Uh, and, and I really hadn't. I've been consistent about that. But it's the same season. So what's going to facilitate 
this program moving forward. Well, you know, right now as we sit here on March 4th, there's options. You can, you can win Saturday and win a couple in the tournament, sneak in the NCAAs, and that changes the trajectory. Uh, we'll go win the SEC tournament. That certainly changes the trajectory, getting the tournament that way. Uh, the question becomes, though, if they get if they get an NIT berth, right, and they get G.G. Jackson to publicly commit, does that change the trajectory and the equation? And that's something I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around. My guess would be uh, because you get a player like Jackson, even if he doesn't come in until 2023, and a lot can happen between now and then. But uh, again, I think a lot of times we confuse football recruiting with basketball recruiting as two different animals. Um, Frank's going to be able to go pitch players to come play with him uh, and get guys to hang around. And, uh, you know, the transfer portals out there, I, I thought, Actually, Frank did a really good job in the portal this year uh, and, and all that. So, you know, I, I think that gives you some hope. Uh, I think getting back to the postseason and the NIT, I mean, let's say they make a run. So they get back to Madison Square Garden. Um, not saying that's what needs to be the goal for this basketball program, but when you have that and you combine it with one of the top-rated recruits you've ever signed, you know, Gigi Jackson's really good. Um, you know, uh, that may change the trajectory. So, so, so there, there are a couple of options that involve Frank Martin staying. But, and then the other things to make a coaching change. Now, look, I agree with the people that say, hey, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, and I look at Ole Miss, you know, they fired Andy Kennedy, uh, who I mentioned earlier. And, you know, he, uh, Really successful 12-year run. Really successful. And, 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 look, they went out because they were tired of not making the tournament, and they go hire Kermit Davis. Now, Kermit Davis is um Mississippi guy, you know, uh, Mississippi State grad, actually. Uh, got to Ole Miss. You know, he's a, he won in Idaho. Um, had one year at A&M. He was pretty bad. Uh, went to Middle Tennessee State for a long time and won 332 games. Uh, and then at Ole Miss, 20 and 13, made the NCAA first round, first year right off the bat. Um, you know, he actually got to the second round twice at Middle. Uh, really great job at Middle, by the way. Uh, but then it's 15 and 17, it's 16 and 12 in the NIT last year. And then this year, back to 13 and 17 and the worst uh, league record that they've had in quite some time, five and 13. How was that right? They have one more game to play. Uh, anyway, um, so that's not as good as Andy Kennedy. And, and they're in year four of the Kermit Davis era. Now Kermit Davis is a proven mid-major coach with ties to the state. I mean, that was not a bad hire. Uh, but, you know, then you look at Alabama. Uh, hired Anthony Grant. He was the guy, the up-and-comer um, at VCU, took Alabama, didn't quite do well, good enough. I think we're finding out he can coach. Didn't quite do well enough. Uh, ends up at Dayton, and now they're great, you know. So they bring in Avery Johnson. He starts recruiting well, and outside of beating Frank Martin every single time he played him, uh, wasn't good enough, didn't get in the tournament enough. So then you go and you roll the dice again, and you bring in Nate Oates, the guy from Buffalo who – 
you know, who? Nate who? Uh, and boom, look at him. Now, I know they lost to A&M the other night, but, uh, you know, look at him. So you go the mid-major route, and it's a crapshoot. And I believe uh, outside of possibly hiring B.J. Mackey, I, I think that's what Tanner's probably going to do is go the mid-major route to replace Frank Martin. So, you know, it's a gamble, but it's a gamble that I think if you're an administration uh, and it is a judgment call and you you can make, you know, arguments pro and con and uh, putting, you know, my defense of Frank Martin on a personal level, because a lot of people attack him personally and it's BS. Uh, A lot of people don't like his, you know, sideline demeanor or whatever. And that's a personal preference, right? I mean, that, that just means you're uncomfortable with that. Look, uh, some people are uncomfortable watching horror movies. Some people are uncomfortable with very raunchy stand-up comedy. Uh, that's fine. I'm not judging you for that at all. But it has nothing to do with the relationship he has with his players. You know, you, you see a guy like Bob Knight, and and – you know, I've seen some comparisons out there. I think people, I think I've shut that down pretty good over the years. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got you got people coming out of the woodwork talking about how abusive he is. Media members saying it. You've got it on tape. Uh, you got multiple players coming forward at, at multiple schools. I mean, you know, the guy. And, and I actually liked Bob Knight as a coach. I, I thought he was. Uh, innovative, kind of created the motion offense. I mean, uh, his teams were always tough. Uh, I thought it, some of the stuff he said was really funny. Uh, but, but you know, he could not – he would be fired immediately if he were coaching t- today. Um, and I just don't think that in 15 years, uh, even with all the players that have transferred out because – they didn't really like Martin's style of, you know, the work and all that you got to put in to be great at it. Um, you know, not a one of them comes out and says anything bad about him. I mean, you know, we're living in a time where Mike Leach got a, accused of abusing a player. Um, so you think if that translates that, that we would hear something. And, and, and here's, here's the bottom line on this. Uh, and and I, I wanted to say this, and I'm probably going to write it. For those of you that, that, that are uncomfortable with Frank Martin's sideline demeanor, not because you, you, you're, you, know, you don't like raunchy stand-up comedy or you're uncomfortable with it just from a moral standpoint, that, that you're worried about the players and their psyche, it, 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 I'm going to explain it like this. It's kind of like this. Frank, the way he coaches his group, he coaches them hard, but it's always, hey, guys, we're all we're in this together, and I'm your leader, and I'm going to go out here and bust your ass, and I'm going to go out here and get on you, but I love you, and we're going to do this together. And that's why his teams play as hard as they do for him, and they always have. You know, last year – uh, maybe not so much, but uh, that was like that was kind of a lost year. Other than that, they they play hard. Now look, they there's there there are games that you know, and it, and it makes sense when you think about it from that standpoint, because he does get emotional, and, and sometimes I'll just sit there and you know teach a lesson or whatever. But the players respond to it because behind the scenes, it's hey man, I, I'm your guy. 
I'm going to go out here and, uh, and lead. And this is how I lead. And we're all in this together. Uh, but I'm going to, and because there's that kind of, uh, relationship, he's able to, to approach his players like that. He's able to do it because they understand. Uh, and if they didn't understand, I guarantee you, I guarantee you guys, there'd be something about it in the paper somewhere. And, and look, if that ever happens, I'll eat my words. I'll eat my hat, you know, I, I, but it's just through 15 years of coaching. It's never, we've never heard that. And in fact, the guys that have left have said nothing but good things to say about it. This wasn't for him. And, and I think that's far more to do with really difficult practices and physical practices and the expectation to play physically and defense and all that. I think that has far more to do with that than Frank yelling. Far more. Far more to do with that. But it's it's an all and, and look, man, if if I'm sitting there, you know, with an all in this together attitude, and that's understood, I think I'm gonna be a little bit more honest and open and emotional and all that going into the arena. Uh then I would be if it was a more like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in charge and this is this and, and, and I'm the general here and you guys are my, my soldiers because I don't think that's the relationship. And you can kind of tell that, um, you know, if you go, uh, you go to fight a war, right, you know, you, your drill sergeant uh, is one guy. And, and, and you have a certain, if you're in the military, it's one guy, you know, that you have uh, a re- certain relationship with your drill sergeant. It's quite another if you're like going to battle on a beachhead uh, with the leader of, of your platoon and, and, you know, and you're in the heat of battle. That, that's a different relationship and, uh, and all that. So I think those of you that are in the military, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Cause uh, that's, that's, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking of, of, uh, of scenes and movies and stuff. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that, that, that's the best way I can describe that. And, and, and the thing that people are uncomfortable with and why, you know, there's not a lot of complaints about it and why the players love Frank, but you look at it from the stands or on TV and you know, some of you are horrified. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> you know, and that's maybe because I sort of know that, you know, this is not that. Um, Isaiah goes on. As far as football, I want to know what your thoughts on Gilbert Edmond and the possible impact he could have next year. Uh, I like him. If you notice on the depth chart going into the bowl, he was listed as second. I think he had to miss. I don't know why. But he's up to 6'5", 255. Big length. Uh, thought he got some uh, valuable reps. Really didn't know what he was doing, though, at the end of 2020 at linebacker. Now he's an end. I think that's his uh, – the, the previous staff liked him because he was a pass rusher. Um, and they need him to really come on uh, at buck or end or wherever. But he's a big, long guy. Looks like a million dollars. So uh, I, I think that, you know, if it's best case, he's a, he's a backup end and plays, kind of like Jordan Strawn did. Maybe not as many reps as Jordan, but uh, – you know, plays second on the depth chart. And then, you know, obviously after this coming season, they're going to need some edge players to, to really step up. So yeah, you got to have your fingers crossed for him. Thank you, Isaiah. appreciate that. Mr. White says, JC, it seems like we're recruiting a lot of running backs this cycle. How many running backs are we taking? And which of these running back recruits is the staff pushing for the hardest? 
Uh, I think they're going to take two again because you got, you know, Bill Smith is definitely gone. And then Marshawn, you, you never know. He could go pro if he has a big year. Um, you know, you, I, Rashad Amos, I, I, I sort of got nervous the other day when uh, Lavoisier Carroll didn't even mention him. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. So they're going to try to take two. Uh, Treyon Webb from Jacksonville, I think, would be one guy to watch. Uh, and then the two kids out of Georgia, Johnson, I think Hall are the other two. Uh, but they're going to take two. And, uh, you know, there's a special one, I, I think, in the class of 2024 in state uh, that I've heard about. Need to kind of look into that. But, uh, you know, they, they're going to continue to make sure they have depth at that position. Uh, and that's very, very important. Um, as far as pushing for the hardest right now, uh, I, I don't know that they're really pushing any of these guys in terms of got to get in the boat, got to get in the boat. I mean, I, I think I think you just kind of kind of see, you know, because they're, they're in good shape with all these guys, and uh, just going to kind of see, you know, with, with Webb, you know, I think they, you know, he's changed leaders a bunch. I put in a crystal ball for the Gamecocks with him, but. You know, and he's supposed to visit three times coming up. So uh, that was good. But, you know, he's he's decommitted and looked like he was going to – I mean, it, 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 that's not something where you can just say, all right, we're just going to focus on Webb and not recruit running backs. Um, so that's the deal with that. But thank you, Mr. White. You're the man. Ah, uh, Sean. Just saw where Steve Wilfong retired. Who do you think will fill that role? Heard Bud Elliott and Andrew Irvins are being considered. Also wanted you to know if you would consider it. Seems like a pretty cool gig. Um, no, I would not. I, um, I although you know, given that I spend a lot of time in the Midwest now, his territory because <laughs> he kind of did the Big Ten um, would fit. But I, I, you know, I had to make a decision like. Because, you know, here I was, I was out of national recruiting for a while. And, you know, I do some blogs here and there, and I talk about it here and there, and I keep up with it. But I had to make a decision because, you, you know, you really – you can't cover the Gamecocks like I do and then do that a lot. So I spend, like – whereas in national recruiting, I probably spent 85% of my time with that. I just kind of dabbled with Big Spur. Um now I'm like 95%, 90, 95% big spur inside the Gamecocks, all that. Uh, and, and if you're a team site guy for a long time, uh, like I, it's been seven years since I've been in it. Uh, I, I would think I would lose some credibility. Um, not, not because I'm not credible, but just because you sort of get stereotyped as the Gamecock guy. You know, so every recruit that was ranked high, uh, that was South Carolina. Um, you know, I'd get accused of being biased if I had to, God forbid, I had to rate a Clemson guy <laughs> and they weren't happy with the rating. I mean, uh, you know, it, it would, it would be a mess and, and wouldn't be good for business nor the credibility of the network. Now, as far as what Steve did in terms of managing it and, and having an overall philosophy. Yeah, I'd do that. I mean, but I would never go and do rankings or, go to camps and get on the road. That's just not, that's just not something I wanted to do, you know, but if he does it great, uh, Andrew, 
Andrew's a hard worker and does a really nice job for us. Uh, and it sucks that Will Fong's uh, transitioning a little more because or out of it because, you know, I thought Steve did a great job. And, you know, I don't really know the rest of these guys that well. And all my friends work at OWN3 now in terms of national recruiting, Jerry and Charles and Krabby and those guys. So, you know, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. And I, and, I, and I need to get some more info on that. All I did was see the tweet. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I You know, this Bud Elliott and Andrew Urban's thing is the first I've heard of it. So, you know, we'll see. So, side note, could Michael Braswell play receiver in the fall? What an athlete. Yeah, I think he's a superstar. I really do. Uh, thanks, Mr. White. Don't be a stranger. Continuing on, last question here on a mailbag Friday episode of the Inside the Game Cast podcast. Hey, JC, when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, what do you think about keeping the current divisions and adding Texas to the West and Oklahoma to the East? Missouri's already in the East, so location can't be that important if that's the main concern. Yeah, and you draw a line uh, for <laughs> – it, 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 it's a gradual slope, but it, you can draw a line. You know, even if with Oklahoma, you extend it out. I don't know. I mean, maybe that would, you know, Auburn people would be really upset. <laughs> uh, is that really East-West? Um, you know, if they go to divisions and they keep that, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure they're going to do some sort of rotating pod because a big complaint around the league is, you know, why why is South Carolina not playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium for 15 years? You know, I mean, it, it's literally – it was literally Nick Saban's first national championship team in 09. That's the last time South Carolina's been to Tuscaloosa, and they're not going again for two more years. That's 15 years, folks. That's a long time, uh, considering, you know, they're in the same conference you are. Um, and that's a big complaint by a lot of programs, big, you know, bigger programs, smaller programs, whatever. So then they're going to go to some sort of rotation pod deal. Uh, I don't think they'll keep divisions. I hope they don't do it like the Big 12 and, oh, it's just the top two teams. I mean, that's, that's going to suck. I'd, I'd keep some sort of structure where – you know, these eight are competing for one side and these are the other, and then the winners of both sides play. Um, I would like, from a South Carolina perspective, I would like that a whole lot more than moving Missouri to the west and shifting Alabama and Auburn to the east. I don't think that would be a good thing. Um, you know, you could also – redo the divisions. Uh, the Big Ten had the leaders and legends for a while before they went to East-West uh, and just create the most balanced two divisions you can. Uh, I, I don't know. I like the pod thing, though, and I think that's the direction it's heading. Uh, but, no, that's a, that's, a, that, that's a more acceptable idea. You know, somebody speculated one time the two Mississippi schools would move East instead of Bama and Auburn. Uh and then Missouri, Texas, Oklahoma to the West. I'd be in favor of that, wouldn't you? Uh, you know, the, the, that would – I, I think the Mississippis would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. 
Uh, anyway, I was like, really? That'd be good for South Carolina. That 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 does not add, you know, that, that actually makes the schedule a little bit lighter, I would think, you know. If you're talking about playing every team in an eight-team division, you know, I'll take Mississippi, Mississippi State, because then instead of having Texas A&M every year, you you play two rotating from the other side. You know, instead of Texas A&M, you get Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I'll, I'll take that. I will take that. I will take that. Regardless of what happened last time the Gamecocks played in Oxford and Starkville. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. I certainly appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, just want to tell everybody to have a great weekend. Thanks to IELT Consulting. Thanks to Cindy Searfoss. Thank you to Heritage Digital, our sponsors. Be sure to check out thebigspur.com all weekend for the Clemson series, all coverage of the baseball game. If you're out and about, can't really catch the streaming. Uh, we have a game thread. John Little have complete coverage of who's pitching, when, what, how's it all shaking out, all that good stuff uh, on thebigspur.com. Then I'll be back with you next week on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast to hopefully – Talk about a great weekend, uh, a uh, surprising uh, – th- this weekend for the Gamecocks, uh, you know, and the women's basketball team being in the SEC tournament later today, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, coming out of this weekend, if you're a Gamecock fan, it's going to be a good weekend if there's some shockers that take place, right? Uh, it would be a shocker if the Gamecocks could uh, – as down on the pitching side of things as they are, if they, you know, found a way to beat Clemson and – Obviously, that basketball game down on the plains in Auburn, Alabama, uh, <laughs> it'd be a heck of a win. It'd be a heck of a win. And then, and, and, you know, talking earlier about moving the program forward, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that South Carolina has done since they've been in this league that's been amazing was that time back in 97, they beat Kentucky on senior day uh, to win the SEC. Now, winning the SEC is not on the line right now, but you're going and playing the SEC champs on senior day down there. And uh, you pull off a win like that, boy, (laughs) wouldn't that make everybody happy? And, uh, you know, I still don't know. I I don't know that I necessarily agree with Frank that that gets them in. But I think it put them – you know, I, I think at that point they'd have to be in the discussion. Uh, And then you just go to Tampa and hope you can win a couple and see what happens. All right, folks, J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecast podcast, as promised here uh, on a mailbag Friday. Uh, Enjoy the baseball games, basketball, whatever you're doing with your weekend. I'll be back with you next week. Signing off. Holla at you soon.